it's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Get Mental. Thanks for tuning in. This is your host, Cecile Ahrens, therapist and owner of Transcend Therapy. And we are located in San Diego, providing individual couples and family counseling. For those of you who are new to the show, this show is about all things mental health, where we destigmatize, deconstruct experiences and events related to our mental and emotional well-being, as well as connect you to resources in the community. Today, we will be joined by Ms. Anna De La Paz, licensed marriage and family therapist. She is one of our wonderful therapists at Transcend Therapy, and she will be telling you a little bit more about herself in a few minutes. But first, I want to let you know that we have a big topic to discuss today, and it is on the subject of addiction and substance abuse. Because this is such a huge conversation, we are going to dedicate at least two shows to it this month, and I'm sure we will continue to touch on this in future shows. Today, we will focus on helping the person who may be struggling with or wondering if they have a substance abuse problem or condition. We will talk about what abuse or addiction is, its prevalence, how widespread the problem is, signs and symptoms, and how we can help you. We're also going to talk about what we can do for you at Transcend Therapy. And then part two of the show will be geared more towards loved ones and family members and caretakers of those suffering from an addiction or substance abuse. Anna and I know how challenging and difficult it can be to witness someone you love in the addiction recovery cycle. That's why we're dedicating a whole show just for you, to support you and empower you and hopefully help you make the healthiest choice for you and your loved one. So back to our co-host, Ms. Anna De La Paz. Welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you so much, Cecile. I'm really excited to be here with you today and looking forward to exploring today's topic. Uh, as Cecile mentioned, I collaborate with her at Transcend Therapy, where I help individuals, couples, and families navigate relationship issues, anxiety, depression, substance use, and traumatic stress. Over the years, I've also worked with children, teens, and young adults doing early prevention and intervention of bipolar disorders, schizophrenia, and other mood disorders where there might be psychosis symptoms. Other uh, experience I've learned so much from include serving elders who are visually impaired or blind as they adjusted to life without vision. Most recently, wow. I've been supporting women through a San Diego nonprofit agency, facilitating parenting education, teaching relapse prevention, and providing trauma-informed care to help women gain the skills for sobriety from alcohol and drugs in an intensive outpatient treatment program. Um, maybe later on in this show or during our follow-up show, I hope to have the opportunity to explain a little more about the variety of treatment options out there for getting help to deal with substance use. Um, in addition to being a licensed marriage and family therapist, I'm also a registered alcohol and drug technician. I'm okay, really right. hoping to share some useful information today about how to recognize when drinking or using substances may be getting in the way or contributing to mental health problems. Great. Thank you for that. Um, again, you know, I'm excited for you to be here and for us to dive into this very big topic together. But for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to Get Mental, and we will be talking about substance abuse and addiction. You can find more about our practice at TranscendTherapyCA.com, TranscendTherapyCA.com. And also, I want to announce to everybody today that you can now access all of our Get Mental episodes on our podcast. So happy about that. And you can find us on Spotify and Anchor. Spotify and Anchor, just you know, search under Get Mental, Cecile Aarons, and you should find all of our previous episodes, including this one today. So what is substance abuse? Let's get right into that. Mm -hmm. 
Simply put, this is my personal kind of summarized definition. It's a mental health condition whereby the person finds the need to use the substance in order to function or cope and cannot seem to stop despite negative consequences. That's, that's what do you think, Anna? I, I think, think that's, so, that's a great way to just kind of capture what we see so many of our patients, our clients dealing with. Great. I'm glad you agree because if you look at the DSM, which is the it stands for the Diagnostic St- Statistical Manual, mm-hmm. that's like the 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 Bible for all mental health clinicians, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know what that is, mm-hmm. that's the guide that we use to determine how to diagnose somebody with a substance abuse or any kind of mental health disorder or condition. There's a lot of different uh, criteria that you must meet. So we're not going to get into every single one of that today, but just generally speaking, at the heart of addiction is, you know, needing the substance, feeling like you... Feeling out of control when using, um, having a really strong urge or cravings right. to use, even again, when there are negative consequences. That's the, the, that's the key element, that despite the negative consequences to your health, your family, your job, that you continue to use. Okay, and it can range from mild, moderate to severe. And I believe it's a major public health issue in our country today. Okay, we have a lot of those, but this is one of the big public health issues in our, in our country today. And it really touches everyone at every stage of life, um, in every socioeconomic class. Yes. It touches everybody. Absolutely. And we're going to talk or share a little bit about um, the current statistics just to kind of really bring home this point of how much of a problem this is in our country. And, you know, the other thing is it affects the brain and the body, right? And it can harm not only the person abusing, but as Anna said, their families, coworkers, the community, say in the case of drunk driving. So, you know, I just want to say before we delve further into this that This show in no way is meant to shame or judge those with a substance abuse problem, okay? We are 100% in your corner. We hope that after today's show, you come away with more hope and information than you did before. But there might be some things that may be hard to hear as we go along. That's why I felt the need to say that, that this is not to, to shame you about maybe some of the impact your behavior has had on other people or on yourself. This is really a way to shed some, some light on how people can get help, how they can start to recognize when things are kind of going astray. Absolutely. And that addiction is preventable and treatable. And we are here for you at Transcend Therapy. So I'm going to turn it over to Anna to talk a little bit more about substance abuse in the United States. So Cecile, thank you so much again. I think it may be helpful here for us to define substance abuse and clarify how we as therapists determine whether someone's alcohol or other drug use is a disorder, a substance use disorder. Uh, One of the first things I might ask is whether you're drinking alcohol or using cannabis or illicit drugs or even prescribed medications in larger quantities or for longer periods than you've intended to. Uh, The next question I would ask is, have you been trying to cut down or control your drinking or drug use without success? Sometimes people will also start to share that they experience cravings or urges, which can, again, lead to continued use even despite those negative consequences. Um, It might cause people to have problems in their close relationships, their problems at work, or they start to give up important social or recreational activities. Yeah, that's a really important point, I think, you know, because a lot of times we just think of substance abuse as, you know, going out there and binge drinking, but there's also a lot of people who drink alone and in secrecy, yeah. right? And when I've worked with teens in the past, some of the signs of substance use growing would be like dropping their after-school activities or their really enjoyable creative arts, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, when we go further into the criteria of a substance use disorder um, is whether there are continue there is continued use when it's physically hazardous. The clearest right. example that I would give people is continued drinking even after DUIs. So there might have been legal consequences. Um, And again, risking people's physical health and safety. Um, So continuing to use despite all of those. And yeah, probably another example too is continuing to use the substance, even say if you're sick. 
Exactly. Right? Like in the case of, um, I've had a couple of clients who were diagnosed with cancer Mm -hmm. and they continue to smoke, right? Or you have a cold or the flu and um, you might be on antibiotics and you're still continuing to drink. Exactly. So there's that continued use even when somebody knows they have the knowledge that what they're doing is not helping them anymore. Right. So I think... um, it's probably good to talk a little bit about the statistics right now, just to to really um, highlight the prevalence of this problem. And so when we look at the country as a whole, nationwide, uh, Cecile, about 141 million Americans, So, and we're looking at people age 12 and older. So this includes some teens and young adults as well. Wow. Um, are, they are current alcohol users. So 141 million people are using alcohol in some form. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of alcohol. 12 and older. Yeah. I mean, gosh. Exactly. 12. Where do they I mean, I know, I know. I, <laughs> that's a whole different topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's really shocking anyway. Yeah, and that's that's everyone that maybe uses alcohol and maybe they don't have the negative consequences. They're just drinking socially. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's still a whole lot of people. Right. Uh, outside of alcohol, about 30.5 million ages 12 or older are using illicit drugs. So this would include cannabis or marijuana, uh, prescription or non-prescribed pills, Mm -hmm. or other illegal substances like cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, um, or club drugs like ecstasy or hallucinogens like LSD. Wow. Um, These numbers that I'm quoting are coming from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, um, and this this data is coming from 2017. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it's probably a little bit worse, I imagine, in 2019. It may have changed a lot in the last few years. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I wanted to go back and point out that a lot of people drink alcohol without it being a problem or being alcohol abuse. Right. Good Um, point. I'm glad you brought that up. But based on this national study, about half of the people who drink are binge drinking. Mm -hmm. And there are some qualifiers for that that are a little different. Yeah, let's talk about binge drinking so people know what that means. Yeah. So a binge is considered for males five or more drinks on one occasion in one day. So it's a little different because men process alcohol biologically different than females do. And so for women, binge drinking is considered four or more drinks. Okay. So it's really just one drink apart. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is a... This is PB. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to say. <laughs> yeah, if, and I'm sure that these numbers would change too if you kind of stratify it by different age groups. Right. You see binge drinking occurring much more in college-aged kids, yes. students. It's normalized. That's exactly. the problem. It's become socially acceptable to do so. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, and moving away from alcohol and maybe even tobacco, you know, you mentioned people who continue to smoke even when they have cancer. Um, the next most commonly used illicit drug in the U.S. is marijuana, it's pot. Right. So I'm not surprised. When we look at that, um, it's very, very concerning to me as a therapist that mm-hmm. there is legalization of marijuana because most folks that I've encountered start using before they're well before they're 18. Right, right. And we'll talk a little bit more about how that drug maybe affects brain development. Yes, um, and it is an addictive substance and a depressant, and there's not a whole lot of research yet. <laughs> I know there's a lot of conflicting feelings about that, but the 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 uh, the bottom line is we really don't know fully yet the long-term implications on the brain of continued marijuana use yeah. and so after marijuana use we kind of look at the next most common misused drug is prescription pain relievals right re- relievers. another epidemic yeah um and so when we look at total again outside of alcohol use one in nine individuals in the u.s who are 12 or older have used drugs in the past month right right one in that's nine. staggering yeah yeah you get a room full of people together and at least one in nine of them have used a substance besides alcohol in the last month yeah and the thing that gets me here is age 12 or older mm-hmm. you know that we're not just talking about one in nine adults right we're talking about one in nine individuals age 12 and or older that's really heartbreaking that children are starting to use so early on yeah so when we st- under start to start to understand these statistics it's very likely that you or someone close to you or someone you know Correct. um will be using alcohol or other substances and that they're 
then at risk of misusing those substances mm-hmm. and at risk of developing addiction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when we consider the link here between mental health and substance use, um, there are some other terms that we commonly use as therapists, um, which would be dual diagnosis or co-occurring, meaning that there's a substance use problem and a mental health problem happening at the same time. Right. And that is so common. I just want to let you guys know that is so common to have both, right? And because oftentimes what happens is either the use or abuse of a substance creates a mental health condition or the mental health condition started first and people are self-medicating using substances to manage their symptoms and then it creates an addiction cycle as well. So now you not only do you have one problem to begin with, you have now two, now you have two problems to begin with and that's where it can get, treatment can get complicated. So Anna, what are some of the common co-occurring disorders that you see? A lot of the co-occurring disorders that I see, meaning that, again, there's a mental health condition and substance use, are depression, anxiety, oftentimes also um, traumatic stress. So somebody may have gone through an event or series of events in their lives, Mm -hmm. and they are, like you mentioned before, self-medicating. They're trying to address the symptoms that they're having with alcohol, with marijuana, with other drugs. Um, And so for a lot of those people, they're coming in trying to get help for one thing and then we're starting to have conversations about this other big piece which might be their substance use right and the other thing you touched on which is you know um, something I see a lot as well in our practice is trauma unprocessed unresolved abuse and trauma in someone's life can create mental health conditions which then can create substance abuse uh, problems. Exactly. So there's that cycle that can happen. And um, that's why at Transcend Therapy, we are so passionate about being trauma-informed and talking about and helping you deal with that part of your life if that is something that happened to you because it is usually something that just doesn't go away and the, the effects of traumatic experiences are long-lasting. And that is a well-known you know, fact with a lot of research you know, behind it. Yeah. And so when we look at that, trauma might be the thing that's underneath, but the first thing that we see that maybe family members, um, co-workers, loved ones see is the substance use. Mm-hmm. They might notice that alcohol use is happening, binge drinking is mm-hmm. happening, um, or that there's daily marijuana use, um, but not recognize what might be underneath there, which could be the anxiety, the depression, um, the trauma. Yeah. The, all the core beliefs about yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. I'm a bad person. Guilt, shame, all those things that are really at the core of addiction. And, you know, sometimes the addiction or oftentimes in, 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 from a trauma-informed lens is a symptom of all those other things I just talked about. But then if the substance abuse is out of control, we really can't get into the heart of the matter, so to speak, without stabilizing that person first and without treating the addiction first because it's hard to do trauma work and you know, in-depth emotional work when somebody is actively using or abusing a substance. It creates a lot of obstacles. So mm-hmm. sometimes we might recommend that people work on abstinence or reducing their harm use reduction. on harm reduction, mm-hmm. um, trying to make some positive change in order for them to get a little more stable um, before we do any deeper work in therapy. Right. And for some clients, and maybe you can speak to this too, Anna, is sometimes they'll get frustrated and, you know, and say, why are we focusing so much on my use when I really want to talk about all these other things? And what I tell them is, yes, I want to get there too. Trust me. I want to get there like yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) But it's hard to do that because you are not in a in a place yet. You're not fully anchored and resourced yet to be able to do that work. And sometimes that means we have to treat the substance abuse first or refer you out for some adjunct treatment exactly. while we're doing the trauma work. And so when we look at that and understanding too that all the chemicals, the substances that somebody might be putting into their body could be, again, creating more symptoms, right? They're kind of chasing 
the effect of the high or the buzz um, and not feeling their actual um, body anymore or feeling the anxiety that was created in the first place. Right, right. And, you know, I think it'd be good to talk about like some of the things we do at Transcend Therapy to help somebody who's in this situation, some of the treatment interventions that we use, because, you know, just for that scenario that you talked about, I do a particular therapy called EMDR, where we can actually just ta- target the triggers or the fact that it's hard for you to stop and do some work on that and explore that without really telling you what to do or so that people have again that choice to decide if their substance use their alcohol or drug use is a problem for them right um, right because maybe they want to focus more on treating the depression or their trauma first mm-hmm. um, but we really have to look at both of them together we can't say we're just going to focus on one piece and ignore the rest right because one affects the other and we'll look at you as a whole person it's it's a it's a it's a holistic approach because you are both of those and you are more than those by the way you're not just your substance abuse or your mental health addiction so we also talk about other aspects of your life and i know at transcend we're very what we call strengths based where we really do not just focus on you as a as a symptom or as a disease but we really do believe that you know you are in pain and you want to get better and that's why you're there yeah and i know for myself um in my work i very much focus on people's strengths on solutions on Mm -hmm. things that they already have inside of themselves right um and i'm here really just as a guide to kind of reflect and see what what direction are we going to go next right right Um, and when we get back to how we treat co-occurring conditions, uh, mental health and substance use, we use a lot of different tools and interventions. Yeah. Um, I might also sometimes refer out to a medical provider if it's needed, like when we're thinking too about if the substance use is causing physical health problems. Correct. I definitely want to make sure that we look at the whole person and a medical doctor sometimes might be the best person to connect with and collaborate with. Yeah, and rule out any medical conditions. Other times you might refer to is if they need a higher level of care Right, because Transcend Therapy is an outpatient mental health clinic, and sometimes people need more support than that. So higher level of care includes what we call IOP, which is Intensive Outpatient Program, where you go to a facility three Anywhere. times a week, yeah. or sometimes, sometimes four times. Sometimes up to five. It just really depends. But For a few hours. We look at everyone as an individual. So some people may need that much more structured care mm-hmm. um, that is very intensive. Right. Um, and they might start or residential treatment. Or, or an inpatient, a residential mm-hmm. where someone may go to live. Um, and then as well, similar to a residential treatment, might be a detox program. Right, right. Um, so that they can, again, get clear. They can gain some um, essential stability yes. to start. Much needed foundation. Start a deeper process. Um, when I look at how I work with someone individually in our outpatient clinic, um, one of the first go-tos that I use is motivational interviewing. This is a collaborative conversation. Right. Um, it's the gold standard for working with, with people, and especially with addiction. Exactly. And it's very person-centered. So using motivational interviewing, or MI, uh, we look at and explore ambivalence about changing behaviors. Ambivalence would be someone sitting on one side of the fence and then hopping over to the other side and not being sure which direction they want to go. Which, by the way, if I can add, is very, very common in the addiction cycle, right? There's a part that wants to quit and there's a part that doesn't want to. And there's a struggle between those two parts. And that really is what ambivalence is. And we we work with you where you're at. We don't tell you what to do. We don't tell you you should be abstinent. It's really about what you think you should be doing. And like Anna said, we're, we're there to guide you and hopefully facilitate uh, uh, the best decision that, yeah. you, that, that, that you can, you know, 
come up with for yourself? I I really help people to get aligned with their values and their hopes. What do they see next for themselves? It's always important to look at what's already happened. How did someone get to this place? Mm -hmm. But what next for them? Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. where motivational interviewing is really, really helpful. Uh, Another strategy that I use is cognitive behavioral therapy, also known as CBT. Um, This is a intervention set of interventions that helps to change unhelpful beliefs, those core beliefs about oneself, as well as the behaviors um, that really maybe promote or exacerbate substance use, um, looking at what triggers are for someone to continue using, um, and then also looking at their emotional responses. Are they experiencing um, panic and anxiety on such a frequent basis that then they want to go take a drink um, as soon as they get home from work um, or even in the morning before they go to work Mm -hmm. um, to deal with those emotions and feelings. Um, Another intervention, another therapy that I use is dialectical behavior therapy, which Mm -hmm. is also known as DBT, um, and that combines cognitive behavioral techniques for emotional regulation and also helping teach people about distress tolerance. So being able to sit with themselves. With the uncomfortable and unpleasant, you know, emotions that, that, you know, we encounter on a daily basis. we experience as humans. Mm -hmm. Um, And knowing too that there are a lot of tools and skills to tolerate that distress. Right. Um, Not getting into feeling so overwhelmed by the feelings, but being very mindful about what's being experienced. Um, DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, also teaches about radical acceptance and a lot of mindful awareness. So it's also used to help reduce self-harm behaviors. Mm -hmm. So when we look at it, really, substance use can be a self-harming behavior if, again, it's creating lots of negative consequences. Absolutely. So, yes, so those are some of the the interventions that that you use, and I must I must say that I use elements of those two. And at Transcend, we don't just use one type of intervention, right? I think it's important to point out that we try to tailor our interventions based on the person sitting in front of us and where they're at and where, what their needs are and what might be the best strategy to help them. Yeah, treatment should really fit the person. It shouldn't fit the therapist. Right. And so we definitely make an effort to understand the individual, the families, the couples who are sitting in front of us Mm -hmm. so that they can get the best possible treatment. Yes. So the other thing that I do personally, because I am trained in this, it's it's called EMDR. It's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So it's a lot of a whole lot lot of words. A lot of words there. But basically what it is, it's a trauma-specific type of intervention that can also be helpful in targeting specific triggers that often create or perpetuate abusive substances. Okay, so, you know, it it started with uh, eye movements. So what that means is the person would be following the therapist's fingers with their eyes moving back and forth moving back and forth to stimulate both sides of the brain while processing that trigger or that painful or unpleasant thought or emotion but we now also use other types of bilateral stimulation such as tapping or the use of pulsers that you hold in each hand and they're alter uh, vibrating alternately but it's not hypnosis you're fully awake and you're not under a trance, and you can request to stop the processing at any time, although that rarely happens because uh, the moment we start doing that, people usually start to feel an almost immediate calming effect. They've experienced some relief right. of their symptom. Yes, that momentarily for that, for that you know, few seconds or even a minute, they, they, yeah, it's a suspension of all these things that they've been holding on to, and they're just able to be with whatever that feeling or thought is. And for a lot of people, that's really hard to do. And for a lot of people, that's where they use substances. That's what they're looking for is that relief. But then 
we introduce all those harms that may come along with it. And again, going back to the fact that not everybody who's using or drinking is a, is going is, to abuse it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that they're looking for some type of relief for their symptoms mm-hmm. or their discomfort. Mm-hmm. So you're using EMDR to help people retrain and understand those triggers, those um, and experience some, right. again, safety and stability. Yes, yes. And this has been also extensively researched and proven to be highly effective, not only in symptom reduction, but in resolving issues that stem from painful or traumatic events. So not only can I use it for traumatic events when they're ready for that work, we could also use it just for resourcing and stabilization and anchoring that person, you know, in something more, um, more stable, yeah, bigger than themselves. So I'm going to dedicate a whole show on trauma and EMDR. But for today's purpose, all that I want people to really take away is that, you know, EMDR and all these other interventions can help you unblock unprocessed adverse events in your life and can help you make, you know, cope better, regulate yourself and make hopefully make healthier choices for yourself. Exactly. The other thing I also talk about or do, sorry, is... um, Uh, what's called IFS, internal family systems. So I incorporate principles of that when working with uh, addiction, especially because like I said, there's usually a part that wants to quit and there's there's a part that doesn't, right? And there's a part that feels bad and there's a part that, you know, is excited about it. Yeah, and it's okay. So IFS is about working with all the parts and it can be really fascinating to get to know people's parts and for that person, the client, discovering their parts like, wow, you know, I I didn't know. Really looking in and discovering, seeing, okay, you know, there's this piece that really, really wants to stop Mm -hmm. um, drinking or using and get close again to family members and our relationships. And there's the other piece that says, you know what, this is my choice. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. And And there's a battle between the parts. That's often what happens. Right, And so with IFS, the, the idea is to have that person make a choice from what's called the core self, which is considered the highest, wisest, healthiest part of yourself or self, self-energy. So I don't want to like be too clinically jargony mm-hmm. about it, but I just wanted to share that, that there are all these uh, uh, interventions that we use at our practice to help you. And at Transcend Therapy, we design our approach based on you, the person, your situation, your symptoms, your personality. Anna and I are firm believers in collaboration and in working with you no matter where you are at. And, and so for substance use, that might mean that people, again, are not quite ready to give up or to be abstinent. Or maybe that's, that's just okay. not part of their story. They're, that's okay, They will too. continue to um, use or smoke or drink. Um, but again, we're looking for um, safety. We're looking for reducing harm. Right. Um, and we just want to really help you to understand where you're at and what are the choices that you're making. Are they helping you um, get closer to your goals? Are they aligning with your values? Mm -hmm. Um, And are they promoting healthy relationships? Right. And even if you don't know the answers to that, right, just the fact, and you're still conflicted, which a lot of uh, people go up and down that that cycle of, I'm clear, I'm, I'm not, I'm clear, I'm not. As long as you're showing up, there's always hope. As long as you're showing up to, to your treatment, whatever that may be for you, that means there's always hope. That means there's a part, right, talking about the IFS principle, that does want to get better and feel better. So do not lose hope because there are like I said before, this is treatable and preventable, and there are many thousands of professionals across the country mm-hmm. that are ready. Probably millions. And millions, you're right, <laughs> that are ready, willing, and able to help you. We just It just starts with you making a phone call, taking that step. Yeah, and feeling, again, that there is support out there. This is why we're here doing this show is so that people have um, some more knowledge about Mm -hmm. what is out there, um, that maybe the lifestyle that they're currently living, um, it doesn't have to be that way forever, um, that they can make some positive changes for themselves um, and get some guidance and some support to do it. 
Absolutely. So again, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Get Mental. This is Cecile Ahrens, licensed clinical social worker, and Anna yep. De La Paz. Licensed marriage and family therapist. And if you need information, additional information about our practice, please visit us at transcendtherapyca.com. Or you can also call us at 619-823-1382. So I think right now, Anna, it might be good to talk about just the common questions that people have about substance abuse and, and mental health, commonly asked yeah. questions. Yeah. So I think one of the first questions that comes to my mind is, uh, what or who is an addict? Great question. Yeah. And so how do you know? Lots of different definitions, and there's also a lot of stigma that comes with that word addict. I know. So we need to work on well, our terminology. Exactly. As, our, a, the as a profession that we use, um, but. When I look at addiction, the most common explanation I can give is that compulsive need to use a substance or do a behavior despite the negative consequences to yourself or the people around you. Absolutely. Um, the other way that we define addiction um, or substance use disorder is tolerance, meaning That's that- That's a big one. The person wants or needs more of that substance, um, alcohol, marijuana, what have you, mm -hmm. in order to feel the effects that they're after. Right. You, you need more. Yeah. You need more. Your body has physically Tolerated. developed a tolerance. Mm -hmm. um, another term used to help define um, addiction is withdrawal. So someone experiences psychological or physical effects when stopping or reducing their substance use. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, a lot of people have become physically or psychologically dependent on their drug or alcohol, um, and they'll use to avoid those withdrawal symptoms and, or to avoid the anxiety that gets raised when they have to cut down their drinking or when they have to stop. Yeah. I think it's important to point out too that for those for, for those of you who are heavy uh, substance abusers, especially alcohol, it can be very dangerous to uh, detox alone or without medical supervision. It could uh, it, it could cause death. It, so yeah. sometimes we actually don't well, not sometimes, most of the time, we don't recommend that you just stop drinking on your own. Or you with certain um, prescription um, pain or um, anti-anxiety medications. Yes. There is a lot of danger with certain substances Yes, stopping without medical supervision. Yes, so that's the stuff you know, where you have to or should really check yourself in somewhere so they can support you through that process because it can be life-threatening. And getting the right assessment, the right mm -hmm. evaluation, um, and just finding the right type of care for yourself. Right. Um, when we also look at addiction, um, so these are people who are using and having that compulsive need to use. They're not able to stop on their own or they keep using and they've built up a tolerance. When we look at the United States as a whole, that's about 40 million people, again, age wow. 12 or older. So out of the statistics that I shared earlier, about 40 million out of that 141 million a lot of people. are addicted. Mm -hmm. um, they're struggling. They're experiencing, again, lots of challenges with their use or with their relationships. Um, so 40 million. So this, this isn't just 40 million using. These are 40 million Americans struggling with addiction. Exactly. I just thought it's important to, to emphasize that. To clarify that. Um, when we then look at other health conditions, because mm -hmm. addiction is a health condition, um, there are only about 27 million people with diagnosed heart conditions, um, about 26 million with diabetes, and 19 million who are facing cancer. So 40 million people facing addiction, and only about 27 million people with diagnosed heart conditions. And I'm not minimizing these other conditions. They are very, very serious, um, but the numbers. That's a sobering reality. I mean, wow, 40 million. What got me is 40 million versus 19 million who have cancer, right? And think about all the, the I guess, the, uh, the information that's available on cancer. You know, the walks, the, yeah, the walks, the promotion, the fundraising events, mm -hmm. you know, and to that point, this is why we created Get Mental. 
okay, because we believe in giving mental health issues the attention that it deserves to create a a public space for it, a space on the radio, in the media, where conversations about mental health can be normalized and deconstructed for the everyday person. I'm really about to go off on a tangent here. I'm so Mm -hmm. passionate about this. You've got to share it. (laughs) Where people can feel informed, inspired, and empowered, right? So we believe so much in this cause because I feel like that these conversations are missing, you know, in in the media and that's why we created this show and we decided to take real action and invest our time Anna and I our own energy and financial resources into this show that's how passionate we feel about it so hopefully we are going to make an impact hopefully again uh, to those of you out there listening we're reaching you we're reaching hopefully the people that you care about as well because when you think about that 40 million people are struggling with addiction that's a whole lot of people and they could be right next to you. Right. They could be you. Yeah. Um. And we're in it together. You know, we're in this thing together because substance abuse has long-term implications, like we said earlier, not just for that person, but it can affect an entire family system, generational cycles of abuse. It gets passed on from one generation to another, right? And then children of alcoholics usually end up having a host of problems, which they can then pass on to to their their children. children. And then if you have a drunk driver who actually ends up dying or hurting somebody else, well, guess what? They've now impacted another family, Mm -hmm. right? And that family now has had trauma. So it just goes on and on and on and on. So everybody, if you guys are at all interested in making a donation towards the show or becoming a sponsor, we would be ever so grateful and honored. You may reach us at transcendtherapy at gmail.com, transcendtherapy at gmail.com, or call us at 619-823-1382, 619-823-1382. And if you're okay with us giving you a public shout out for your support, we would be more than happy to do that for you. Um, so going back, and I, again, I, I'm so thankful to be here with you today, Cecile. Um, when we look at other questions that come up to us as therapists, mm-hmm. one big one very recently is people coming in and saying, oh, marijuana helps with my anxiety. What's wrong with it? I'm not telling anybody that's that there's that's something really wrong with it. One. Yeah. But what I'm going to do is help you understand the effects, the physiological, the psychological effects of that substance Mm -hmm. Um, and understanding, well, is it really helping or hindering your um, progress towards relieving anxiety? Right. Um, So there's you could also rebound, right? And it can create more anxiety. Exactly. So you might start to feel more symptoms Mm -hmm. um, and then you also could be developing tolerance to the drug, to the marijuana, to the cannabis. And then creating a substance abuse problem for yourself. Creating that dependence. Mm-hmm. Um, so some folks also, despite um, having that anxiety relief when they s- first start to use, um, some folks can s- develop onset of psychosis. They might mm-hmm. just be in that vulnerable population of people who maybe have a family history of bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, and cannabis use, marijuana use, can set off psychosis. So that is a break from reality. And those are very, very serious symptoms. Great point. So you might be relieving anxiety at some level. But you're really creating other problems in the long term. Yeah. And the other piece here, too, is that... I know I have a lot of clients who say, oh, I'm using a specific type of cannabis for anxiety or for sleep. Um, But I remind folks that the regulations on production of cannabis plants or products, um, as well as the psychoactive contents, so Mm -hmm. the THC, um, they're fairly new. The regulations vary state by state. Right. Um, We're in San Diego and San Diego, California, and there have been some new laws, um, new um, changes happening with cannabis and marijuana production and sales. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's still so much so much research that's being done. Right. And especially about the long term implications of marijuana use um, and whether the changes in the brain that happen because of that use Mm -hmm. are going to be permanent. Right. Um, And so when we look at treating anxiety or depression um, or other mental health issues, and there is um, cannabis use, I I just want to know it. I want to be aware of it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I can hear a lot of my pro-cannabis 
uh, clients and uh, colleagues mm-hmm. maybe having a lot of feelings about this. And this is not to say that, you know, medicinally used cannabis can be helpful, right? But what we're just talking about here for today is preventing abuse of it. And, of, and addressing the mental health issues that often go along with it. With the use, right. So this is not to just slam cannabis, the cannabis industry in general. Just want to make that clear. Exactly. (laughs) And it's really here about educating people about what it is that they're using, um, what it is that they're putting into their body. Right. um, And I don't know if there's some other questions that maybe you've heard, Cecile. Well, I think sometimes, you know, where the confusion may lie for a lot of people, this is the, the typical question I get, is not knowing where and how to draw the line between an appropriate use of a substance and abusing of a substance, right? So sometimes it, it can get kind of blurry for them. And for other people, you may not meet the full criteria for substance abuse, but you may be using it inappropriately or as, or as a way of coping with your symptoms or stressors. And if this is you, this might be a good time to seek support from a therapist so that you can reduce the occurrence of a substance abuse or avoid it altogether. And equally important so that you can start to process the thoughts, beliefs, and emotions that are causing you to drink or use that substance in the first place. In other words, we can help you gain awareness, gain healthier coping tools, evaluate what your needs are, and help you get the right level of care, you know, and and heal from the hurts and the traumas, which is a huge part of addiction, like I said, in my experience. So that's... That's typically where people have a dilemma. And that's where, again, folks, there's that stigma of what an addict is. And Mm -hmm. am I one? Is my family member an addict? Um, But really looking at how is it affecting you? We here are not um, promoting or saying that there's one right way to go about this, um, but just really looking at what is right for you. Right. And, you know, the other aspect, too, is denial. Denial is a huge piece that is a barrier to getting help or working on these things or any issue, yeah. not just substance abuse, but specific, particularly with substance abuse, mm-hmm. right? That, but that in and of itself is also something we can help you with, right? And it's, we're not here to try to convince you that you have a problem because the minute you have that power struggle within yourself where you're, you know, there's a voice that's like, well, maybe this there's is getting out of control. Says, huh, maybe I need to look at this. Yeah. The other part says, no, it's okay. That's and, actually a really great place to be. Right. That means that that denial part of you is actually, you know, giving you enough space where maybe your wise mind is actually able to like come to the surface and say, yeah, well, I think it's a little out of control. Maybe you should talk to someone. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so I guess my point in saying that is that denial in and of itself is not is not a bad thing. It's not something, you know, um, that we judge. We know that that's part of the the process of getting help. And so even if you're not sure where what where you are in the spectrum, if you have that little voice where that's nudging you to to get some help, see if you can listen to that. Right? You don't have to make a, a, a decision on your future and what you want to do about it, but just take the first step. Just take the first step into getting your foot in that door and we can ha- start to have the conversation with you. And start to build that awareness about where do you want to go next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also just want to add, since we're talking about addictions, and I know we focused a lot on alcohol and marijuana, but there are also other things people can be addicted to. Exactly, because they have that compulsive need uh, for whatever it is. Right, and to numb to numb the pain or to distract themselves from, you know, the unpleasant, unpleasant uh, emotions and thoughts. So they're also known as process addictions. And what that is is activities that people end up uh, doing compulsively in lieu of a substance. So that may include relationships, right? You've heard of maybe terminologies like relationship addict, love, sex, pornography, gambling, including online gambling, shopping, even exercise, which is part of the eating disorder spectrum, food, technology, like your cell phone or social media, for example. And we don't have time today to delve into this, but again, if you or someone you know may be struggling with a process addiction, Call us and we will be happy to help. 619-823-1382 or transcendtherapy 
at c uh, sorry transcend therapy ca.com or email us at transcendtherapy at gmail.com. Also, we have a podcast, Get Mental, on Spotify and Anchor. So in keeping with the show's tradition, it is now time for, drumroll, our Inspiration Corner. And Anna has a story she would like to share. Thank you, Cecile. For me, every person I've supported through their journey with substance use and mental health has such a unique path, process, and goals that I find sharing about only one kind of challenging. Right. However, I, I recall working with one man who came to therapy with me for the first time in his 50s, uh, challenged by the loss of his job in the medical field. He was having conflicts and disagreements with his wife of almost 30 years and distance from his children because he had been long trying to cope with his depression by using alcohol. Um, we discovered in our Work together, he was an extremely independent person, had to do things for himself, hated to ask for help, and was overwhelmed by trying to keep everything together. Um, we developed an understanding of how his alcohol use and depression were related. Um, and developed a plan of action for treating his depression. That plan included being willing to get the right medical care for physical health issues, uh, using cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, to identify unhelpful thinking patterns as well as as his triggers to pick up a drink, um, and learning strategies to relax and become more mindful of his stress signals. Um, As he started to get more of a handle of of what was under his control in his life versus Mm -hmm. what he could not control, his openness to help Um, to asking for even more help grew. So he decided he was willing to get additional job training to help him re-enter his career field and ask for support from his wife to look at their options together as partners instead of taking all the responsibility onto himself. Right, right. Um, He was also able to get connected with a great employment opportunity in another state that he wouldn't have been open to when he first started therapy. Um, The reason this was so monumental was because his career had always been a defining feature of his identity and the loss of his job had sparked his decline into depression and alcoholism. I definitely feel he learned the skills to cope with what he was feeling, thinking, and able to recognize when he needed help, especially from his loved ones. That's a wonderful story, Anna. And I, I would go to say that part of that is probably because of the therapeutic relationship that you also were able to develop with him. Yeah, yeah. So um, when we come back for part two of this topic, we will take a deeper look at how family members and friends can best support someone facing substance abuse problems and mental illness. We're also gonna talk about risk factors for substance abuse and protective factors. And um, I, I also just want to say, because we, we, we only have a, a few seconds, I think, uh, before the end of the show, that that topic will air on Saturday, August 17th at 6 a.m. here on The Answer San Diego. So please stay tuned. And Anna and I can't wait to talk about that. But make sure you also tune in next week as I will be talking about another issue that I am very, 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 very passionate about. And it is on the unfortunate sub- subject of mass shootings, right? How many have we had just this past week and this past you know year and those are just the ones that made the national headlines but public mass murders is just such a huge problem for for this country and i have a huge problem about it always have always will so i'm going to be diving into that next week and that how how that impacts our mental health so there you have it folks we hope you found today's show helpful and that inspires you that it inspires you sorry um to take a step towards your recovery thank you for being with us this hour this is get mental with your host cecile aarons and anna delapaz of transcend therapy if you need support for the things that are going on in your life and don't know where to start start with us call us 619-823-1382 or visit us at transcendtherapyca.com. Until next time, be well and be gentle. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit transcendtherapyca.com. That's transcendtherapyca.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. Don't